Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, I want to talk up the top in this hour, though, about police surveillance and uh, a particular device that police forces in Canada are using that it seems they would just as soon not let us know about. The story from last week, uh, I think a number of media outlets have been asking the question here in Calgary uh, as to whether Calgary Police Service are using this device known as Stingray. The Calgary Police, uh, they're not commenting. So they're not admitting to using this, nor are they denying using it. Uh, Last month, up in Edmonton, the Edmonton Police Service initially admitted that indeed they use Stingray and then backed away from that. So we're seeing similar obfuscation, I think, from a number of police forces across the country. And so maybe the starting point in this conversation is to find out who is using this and why. And I think from there, we need to ask the question of whether this is technology that police should be using. So this is technology, and our guests can explain this a little bit better, but essentially it allows police forces uh, to intercept phone calls off of cell phone towers. Now, this is not, look, we've got a warrant. We think this, this bad guy's making some cell phone calls. We're going to catch his calls. This catches all the cell phone calls. Now, joining us uh, for more, Michael Vaughn joins us, policy director of the BC Civil Liberties Association, uh, bccla.org. Michael, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the program. Nice to be here. All right. Well, what do we know in terms of the landscape in Canada and, and how widely used this device is? Well, stingrays, also known as MC catchers, are devices, as you were saying, that mimic cell phone towers and trick your cell phone into giving this information up to it. And what we know currently through some dogged journalism, some heavily redacted documents through courts, almost nothing through freedom of information because we've been stymied by neither confirm nor deny, is this. RCMP have a very significant program of stingray use, and they lend their program out to smaller municipal police forces. That seems to be where we're at in the uh, in the state of understanding where we are in Canada. We do not know if intelligence agencies like CSIS are using stingrays. We have no reason to believe that they're not. Um, And we are very unclear as to what the authorization process is for deploying these kinds of mass surveillance technologies within the police. So where did this technology come from? Well, um, we've actually had this for quite a while. The RCMP program is more than 10 years old. For two decades at least, we've seen this um, kind of technology available. Um, Part of the problem here is that many times when these devices are sold, Stingray, by the by, is a brand name. That's why um, sometimes it's easier to remember than MC Catcher, but it's actually a brand name. So when Stingray um, sells such a device, they often make it subject to a non-disclosure agreement. So if you agree as law enforcement to use a Stingray, you are saying to the company, we promise not to tell anybody we have one of these. Now, 
that's just not a non-starter from an accountability and constitutional rights perspective, but that's part of why we've seen so much obfuscation about these particular devices um, around the globe. And yet there are shining examples of countries that have really taken um, a proactive stance, Germany being the, the shining light. Since 2002, so almost a decade and a half ago, they've said, yes, police um, need these kinds of tools, but we're going to very, very carefully craft the rules for their use to make sure that they're not being abused. Right. And, and some may argue that, look, I mean, police aren't interested in somebody who's, who's calling their mother to, to find out what time dinner is or, you know, pictures they might have in, in their phone of their dog. And they're not going to waste their time with that. But I, I think the point is that what's being collected, what's it being used for? What are they doing with this data? There, there's a litany of questions that, that I think we're entitled to answers on, aren't we? That's exactly it. So we have a mass surveillance device here. And just to be clear, um, these kinds of devices have two modes. We suspect that most often they are used for location information. So using the kind of remembering that your cell phone is essentially a tracker, um, you have the ability to locate people in a location. That's how we suspect they're mostly being used. But as you point out, they also have a modality of essentially taking content information from your phone, your text, your messages, your calls. So when these kinds of um, devices are deployed, they can catch information in a given geographical area. So as many people as are in there, that's the kind of information that they're collecting. And you do hear the argument, yeah, but the police don't want any anybody's in you know anyone who's innocent, not the subject of the surveillance. They don't want that information. I'm sure they get rid of it. Well, the only indications we have, because we don't have a definitive answer on that question, from the RCMP documents, the court documents um, out of Quebec that give us the most robust uh, information we have to date, is that they simply bank that information. They may not be using it, but they're not getting rid of it either. And we should be concerned about that. Um, we don't want the police to use this surveillance um, this massive surveillance terrain to simply bank information about innocent people. We have a right to know what goes on with that information, and we should have a process that actually shapes what the police are allowed to do. So there, there's no requirement for a warrant right now to, to use this technology, nor is there any requirement for police to, to disclose how this is being used. Is that right? Well, the question of is there a requirement for a warrant, um, the police do say in a kind of a generic fashion, of course, if we're using such devices, we would get a warrant. And then we get down to the question of what does that warrant look like? Our understanding at this point, remembering that we are just playing puzzle pieces here because we don't have the full picture. Our understanding at this point is most likely they're getting a general warrant. Um, and the problem with the general warrant is it doesn't deal with all of the other people whose information is captured. We know after 10 years of a practice called tower dumps where the police go to a telecommunications service provider and say, we're looking for a bad guy on June the 6th using their phone in such and such an area. So give us all the records you have of people with cell phones in that catchment. We know from 10 years of that practice that those warrants that were being sought 
are unconstitutional. We've just had a court case that decided that failure to deal with this appropriately, all those thousands of people who are not even suspected of wrongdoing, uh, that that has not been adequately addressed in that context. We suspect that general warrants with stingrays would be exactly the same story all over again. So we want pointed answers to exactly what are you doing and exactly what are you applying for and exactly what are you telling judges about the nature of these devices and what information you'll be collecting. So in some ways, it really boils down to um, we need the details to understand whether the checks and balances that the police promised us in the hypothetical they would use are coming to bear. One of the articles uh, here in Calgary as to whether the, the Calgary Police Service is using this, and as mentioned, I mean, they're, they're not really answering the question, not saying yes or no, but there's a police spokesman uh, who, you know, wouldn't say whether this is uh, used here, but he said if the police did have one of these devices, that in order to use it, he says we would need to get approval on a case-by-case basis. But that's overstating then the requirements that exist. They wouldn't necessarily need to, would they? Well, police always have powers of what are called exigent circumstances. So if you're, in, um, if you're trying to save someone's life, for example, we don't require you to get a warrant. Um, so there are, there are always exceptions to the rules. But basically, when the police say, yes, we, on a case-by-case basis, we would be you know, seeking approval, presumably they mean judicial approval, meaning going before a judge. And again, the question becomes, because this is a mass surveillance Um, device. This is mass surveillance, not individually targeted surveillance. What are you telling the judge in order to get this? And how are we dealing with the fact that you're going to collect potentially thousands of people's information that are not the target of your surveillance? That's really the nub here of the issue of it's insufficient to say, um, of course, we would do this properly. What does that look like? That's the issue. Right. And so none of this is to say, look, these devices should be banned and police forces shouldn't have access to this technology. That, that's not the issue here, is it? No. And, I, you know, one of the things about pointing to Germany, where they've had the federal re- regulation around stingrays for so long, is clearly the police are um, wildly overstating the case about, you know, if we were to deploy, if we were to, to um, disclose information about this, they would no longer be effective. Right? They have to be covert. We have to pretend that nobody knows about these. It's simply untrue. Um, when you look at a jurisdiction that says, look, there's a very um, specific warrant that's required. You can only use this for serious crime because the nature of the surveillance is so sweeping. You have to deal with the non-suspect data. You cannot use this for actual content interception. For that, you need a wiretap warrant. This is for geolocation only, and you have to get rid of what isn't part of the um, the suspect's data, and so any, any incidentally collected data. That's what they say. They have no problems deploying this, and they even report to their governments um, for oversight and review about how often they use these powers. Nothing wrong with that level of accountability in terms of affecting police use of these for crime detection. So given that we have the solution here, it seems a little confusing as to what the obfuscation is all about. All right. So where do we need to start here? I mean, is is the starting point police forces acknowledging that they're making use of this technology? Is, Is this that what needs to be the first step here? 
Well, you know, since we know that this is over a decade old, I think we're a little past that, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it's being used. Um, we, have, we have evidence of that at this juncture. And I say we go straight to um, getting the legislature to appropriately craft, constitutionally craft, how the police should be using these devices. I do not want to spend the next 10 years trying to drag out through inquiries and information, freedom of information processes, what should be actively pro-offered by the police in terms of this. Let's just go straight to legislation because this is not the only mass surveillance device or technology that police are using. We need to grapple with this and we should grapple with it now. We've got a federal privacy commissioner. We've got provincial privacy commissioners. Is, Is this a matter that would fall under their jurisdiction, do you think? Well, it would certainly be comforting if the RCMP that has, as we understand it right now, the biggest program, it is quite an elaborate program, they have, they have a testing site where they test methodologies for these devices and use them, deploy them nationally. It would be lovely if they were doing what they were supposed to do in going to the federal privacy commissioner to say, um, here's what we're planning to do, here are our policies and practices in relation to this, are we all on the up and up? But we happen to know from the OPC, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner of Canada, that the RCMP have done no such thing. So, um, again, we're at this point where we have to say, um, of, of all of the mechanisms, we've had parliamentarians put direct questions to the police and intelligence agencies about their use of stingrays and have been, again, received um, answers that are just basically obfuscating. Uh, I... The level of frustration from the general public and the people who demand accountability from police forces, again, so not so we can ban these, but so we can appropriately shape their use, is such that um, it just feels the the point to the the place that we move to now is beyond this kind of whack-a-mole game of trying to see if we can get a hold of the documents or understand this better. Let's shape the practice. We know it's happening. There's no question about that, despite police um, continuing to be quite coy um, and ensure that people's rights are protected. Well, you know, as was pointed out uh, by, by someone here with the Rocky Mountain Civil Liberty Association that, you know, police will brag uh, and, and very publicly announce certain kinds of technology. Like here in Calgary, they had an entire news conference to, to introduce their facial recognition software and how it works and how they're using it. So, so they're very open about certain techniques and technologies and tactics and very secretive about others. Yeah, you know, we, we again, we have this notion um, that somehow the non-disclosure agreements in relation to these devices have really colored very badly um, the appropriate accountability here. Um, but there does, there, there is no rhyme and reason um, that we can see. As I say, um, the the world knows that stingrays exist. No, there's you Google it. On your ordinary, on your ordinary computer, you will come up with rafts of documents about this very technology. It is not a secret, um, nor does it need to be a secret to be effective. So um, I think we're we're well past the stage where that's a, an argument that ha- would hold any any weight in an inquiry if it went to that. Um, Certainly the sense in Vancouver where an inquiry was underway on this question and the police capitulated um, rather than to defend their neither confirm nor deny stance um, by addressing 
the uh, the concerns of the of the complainant. It, it, it simply it, it does appear that they part of their capitulation was yes yes we we take the point that there is now enough publicity about this that you can't really argue the secrecy point anymore, and uh, we just need to get the rest of the police forces across the country on board with that. And I guess it's still a matter though that I mean have the courts really haven't specifically addressed the use of these devices, have they? Ah, well, now we get into a very sticky arena because what what you might say in the ordinary course is, look, if this is for crime prevention, you would have to disclose the use of these devices in an ordinary court process and the courts will shape what is appropriate in this context. Here's the problem. All over the globe, courts have been misled as to how certain information was acquired. And when we see a case like the Quebec case that gives us the 3,000 pages of heavily redacted documents about stingrays, what we see is Crown Council and police going very, very quickly into a protection mode to make sure that this information is, in fact, not before the courts. Um, so that case um, actually settled in the, the the big case, the Project Calamansa case, actually settled um, in in part because of disclosure fears about all the all the information about the program that was coming out. So it's one thing to say that the the court process, knowing again this has been going on for more than a decade, is going to get to this, but it's another thing to actually examine this and find out how you don't know what you don't know. So if it isn't there to be questioned, if defense counsel doesn't know about this, to ask pertinent questions, we can't be guaranteed that appropriate disclosures are being made. We're supposed to be able to rely on that, but that's not what the history of these devices shows. Indeed. Well, more uh, on this issue at bccla.org. Michael Vaughn, thank you so much for making some time for us today, here today. Appreciate You're the insight. Very welcome. Thanks. Thanks again. Michael Vaughn is a policy director with BC Civil Liberties Associations. They've been raising concern about this for some time. Uh, and just recently now, the questions are being asked here in Alberta. So it was August when the Edmonton police addressed this, admitting that they used this uh, device and then backing down from that. So you initially had a police spokesman in Edmonton say that, uh, indeed, yeah, we, we do use this. Uh, then you had a, a follow-up statement from police saying there was some miscommunication, misunderstanding internally surrounding the information obtained on whether EPS owns a Stingray. And in fact, the EPS does not own the Stingray. Police agencies do not comment on equipment used in electronic surveillance or on investigative techniques. Therefore, the EPS cannot provide any further information on the topic. So by saying they don't own a stingray, that doesn't answer the question of whether one has ever been used or why a police spokesman initially said that they did. And then you had just last week, Calgary Police Service refusing to comment on whether they possess one of these devices. Saying that, quote, if the bad guys know what we're using, they can begin to counteract them. Implying that maybe they do, but they say they don't want the bad guys to know. But what about everybody else? Do they deserve to know? 974-8255 is a number. A lot of texts coming in here as well at 770-770. I, I won't pass these on to the state. But are you comfortable with the state having access to what's on your phone? We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.